And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, I'm just still completely overwhelmed by the fact that you have yet sold another company. And because I wanted to verify that, I brought some people in to try to help with that today. But, you know, we'll get we'll get to that introduction in a second. First off, congratulations on the big news that that we recently announced on the show. And uh, any follow up to that, Matt? No, just excited to get it done. It was a five and a five and a half month process, and um, everybody can also check out the Startup Hustle TV episode that's going to come out about it too. So excited to uh, be yeah. able to see the journey. A couple of them, and we're glad to be able to share that journey once again. Matt, who is now formerly the CEO of Stackify, I got just had. Yeah, he got a job. He got a job. Finally, we've been telling people that he's unemployable for three years, and then <laughs> oh, no, someone comes J- along and gives the dude whoa, a job. Whoa, and you know, whoa. no, don't don't tell Jazz that. Well, but we're gonna yeah. But that, here's the thing: is I didn't believe it, so I went ahead and wanted to verify it. So with us today, we've got Jazz Young, and she is the CEO of Netrio. Where Matt went and got a job. If you want to learn more about Netrio, go to netrio.com. There's a link in the show notes. Jazz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's it's fun to be here. And you, definitely you know, like exciting to, to have Matt on team. Yeah, I, well, I've been working with and around Matt for a couple of years. So we'll revisit that sentiment and down the road as well, just to make sure. Now, Jazz, I like to say that no one tells the story of companies better than their CEOs and founders. Can you give us a little background about what Netrio does, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what what you guys are up to with the new company and everything going forward? Absolutely. So Netrio is a leader in the IT infrastructure monitoring space. So we help companies figure out you know, what's wrong in their infrastructure when it comes to systems or processes or networks going down. So if Zoom is not working for you, Google's not working for you, and you're working from home, you're trying to figure out what's wrong. Is it really the, the Wi-Fi at home that's causing the problem? Is it Zoom that's breaking down because it's just not working? Or is it really the internet or the you know or something else right happening there we figure out what that something else is so that you can resolve it very quickly and so we do it at the enterprise level to help companies get business continuity in other words to ensure that their business always keeps running whether it's an e-commerce site or whether you know it's some space exploration activity that they're doing okay okay so Matt, I got a question for you, but before we get too far in, I forgot to mention that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. So Matt, with what Netrio does, how is how is that similar or complementary to what you guys were doing at Stackify? Yeah, so Stackify has been focused more on application monitoring 
and the applications themselves. And most of our customers are a different persona. They're usually more software developers or software development leadership. Um, where Netrio caters more to system admins and operations people. So think about like a knock and, you know, the room with 20 screens and, you know, is everything up or down and, you know, all the dashboards and all the things, right? And um, more at a 50,000 foot view, you know, potentially monitoring tens of thousands of servers, or let's say it's a company, let's pretend it's like McDonald's or something, right? They need to monitor every single location. Does their point of sale work? Like a million things, right? So you get into larger enterprises and they've got a lot of different things they need to monitor and make sure it works. Where Stackify goes deeper into a specific application. And, you know, so you have operations that from kind of the cloud view want to know if everything's working and then there's the problem, they need to know who to call. And so now they can know, you know, okay, there's a problem with this app. Now they can use Netrio's products to dive deeper into the application issues as well and get the developers, you know, involved. Um, so we go way deeper in the applications themselves. Does that make sense? But we don't do what Netrio does because they also monitor networks and storage and all sorts of things. Basically, anything with a digital heartbeat, they monitor. So it's it's a little different than than Stackify, but the two combined are very complementary. Jazz, anything to add to that? Actually, I want to you know bring up something that Matt said earlier on that has really resonated with me about how our companies gel, and it's the outside-in, inside-out perspective. Matt, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Because I really love the way you put yeah. that across. Yeah, I think that's another good way to describe it is Netrio's you know, um, standard product before Stackify, right, um, is really designed around monitoring from the outside-in. And... Stackify is all about the opposite. We're really monitoring from the application itself. So, you know, we're at the code level within the application. So if there's problems kind of around the applications, the applications have different symptoms and problems, right? They're slow or the strictler thing doesn't work or gets errors. We don't necessarily know exactly why, but we can detect it. We can see it. We know the customers aren't happy about it. Where Netrio from the outside in can, can better identify some of those things too. So the combination, you got inside out, outside in are complementary. Mm-hmm. That's what that I love sound, about that's, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Oh, that's what I love about it. You know, I think how we're so complimentary and this is really what our customers need out there now because we are finding the roles become less and less distinct among the different personalities out there. You know, as we maintain these complex environments, people want to understand what's going on. They don't want a finger pointing going inside to, you know, to figure out when things are going wrong. To be able to provide that end-to-end view makes it very helpful for people to solve, you know, what's wrong right away. Um, and that's really something that we feel brings a lot of uh, value to our customers. In fact, they have been assembling a lot of these solutions themselves, you know, so they do have our type of solutions, you know, but just not combined in one piece, which we think would be really nifty. Okay, so we've spent a lot of episodes, time, energy, uh all of it talking about the whole startup process. And Matt, you know, this is, we, we are interrupting our 52 part series about how to start a tech company because you started one and sold one somewhat in the middle of the series. So we thought that that would be a good, a good reason to pause. Jazz, Matt and I have been doing a 52 part series this year. Uh, much like software and delivering a product, we're a couple weeks behind on, <laughs> on the deliverable anyway. So we figured why not push it back another week, but um, overall, you know, the, in the in, in, when we've talked about acquisitions and why 
mergers, acquisitions, all of this, bundling companies up and putting their parallels next together, you know, makes so much sense. And Jazz, I'll start with you. Like, why do deals like this occur? Like, what's the what's the 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 main business reason and purpose and priority behind uh, like acquisitions like you guys just went through? It's really to serve the customer better. I mean, our customers are evolving in terms of their needs in the marketplace, right? Just as we find ourselves, you know, in this past year with COVID-19, really transforming in terms of the way we work, we live, the way we use technology and the way technology influences our lives. So the needs constantly evolve and our expectations for how we manage those needs continue to get more and more you know complex at the same time we're looking for more and more simplified ways to deal with these complexities so as companies we're driving towards solutions that will meet our companies our customers needs as much as possible and we need to think of creative ways in which we grow both organic and inorganic ways in terms of building solutions that meet those needs faster um, than the way we can do it ourselves. And when we think of meeting those market needs, we can either build the technology to get to where the customers need and the different experiences that they need. We can partner with companies to get that experience as well from an end-to-end -end perspective, or we can actually acquire another company and join right by the hip in a more tight way so that we can provide an even more um, uh, you know, consolidated, end-to-end, smooth, sophisticated solution for our customers instead of them having to go everywhere and patch things themselves, right? So that's what we're trying to drive for in the long run, um, meeting customer needs and developing the strategic vision to get to that point. And I think in this case, it's a very strategic um, kind of merger acquisition between the products, right? But if you go back to Vin Solutions, when I sold Vin Solutions, the reason that AutoTrader acquired us was more about growth and diversification, right? Like our product didn't bolt onto the, like AutoTrader.com's listings of cars for sale. Well, we start, we were in the same industry, um, but for them, it was growth, right? If, if their core product is only growing at, say, 14% a year and we're growing at 70% a year, you know, it's a way for them to get growth and continue growth for their shareholders um, and diversification, right? Now they, instead of all their, you know... Um, focus on just, you know, advertising. Now they own all these different SaaS products and software products and whatever. So, I mean, I think um, corporations do acquisitions for multiple different reasons. I think in this case, it's highly strategic and really beneficial to the customers. Mm -hmm. So how did this process start? I'm going to bounce that right back to you, Watson, and then Jasmine next, or Jazz next. Sorry, I've been told not to call her Jasmine or she's going to call me Matthew. So you do you want to call me Matthew? It's all right. You can if you want. Matthew. All right. I get one pass. <laughs> I, I feel like my grandma is yelling at me. Like that's the only person that ever called me Matthew. So I got to get used to that. So how, so Watson, how did this process start from your end? And I'm going to have the same question for Z Jazz after. You can call me Sherlock too, by the way. Just, you know. <laughs> oh, wait, Sherlock you're Sherlock and, and I'm Watson? That sounds like it, right? I mean, if you're going Watson, but please all right. continue. Sherlock it is. Okay, so most a lot of the people listening to the show, if you're like me, get random emails at least every month, a lot of times every week from random potential investors. Like, I want to acquire one company and I want to acquire yours and I'm going to run it till I die, right? Or just random VCs, private equity, like all sorts of bullshit. It never ends, right? 
So I get these emails a lot, and a lot of times I don't respond to any of them. Um, but I think in this case, I got one from a, a broker. I think it was a business broker that was doing a search on their behalf, trying to reach out to probably various APM companies or whatever. And I emailed them back, and I'm like, I'm interested, but only if this is legit deal and real. Other, otherwise, don't waste my time. Like, that was pretty much my response. <laughs> and um, that was it. And they're like, yeah, this is a real thing. So we got on the phone and talked a little bit, and they relayed, relayed some sort of information over to them. And I didn't talk to that broker ever again. So I just talked to him, I think, one time. Jazz? Super. Yeah, from our side of the story, we have a very structured approach to looking at our strategic vision. We visit it every year, and then we kind of, on a quarterly basis, ensure that we fine-tune it. So we identify the spaces that we want to go into based on the strengths and overall weaknesses of our product and where we think the customer really is taking us and where we think the market really needs to go to. So we identify a number of different spaces and areas, such as APM. Like last year, we acquired a company in the Azure monitoring space called Cloudmonics, which was excellent. Um, um, you know, at that time, because we wanted to augment our monitoring capabilities. There's some of the areas that we're really interested in growing in as well. But the APM space was certainly something that we heard our customers saying they really wanted more visibility into. And we thought that um, that was a direction that we'd like to go into, but it would just take a little bit more time if we were to develop it ourselves. So we actively started looking for a player in the APM space. Um, and that's when Matt's company came on the radar. Um, so I'd have to say that, you know, when we looked at Matt's company, it wasn't just that it was a strategic fit from a product perspective that made us like Matt so much. Um, Matt's company is interesting because it brings more than the strategic fit from a product perspective. There were very cool alignments when it came to the go-to-market as well, as well as the complementary customer markets and segments. So when we think of the strategic fit, it's not just how the product fits, but it's about the go-to-market in terms of how we sell. They, you know, Stackify sells in a very low-touch, no-touch manner. So it actually uh, offers, you know, they have trials. They make it easy for developers to get on board and try it. So they have a broader footprint in the market to help seed the technology. They access also the developer uh, groups, which Natrio previously has not really had much uh, uh, focus on. As, as Matt mentioned earlier, we're very much focused on the network um, operators, right, um, and the IT managers. So this was a different market segment that we thought was very complementary, especially when you look at the rise of DevOps. The second major factor is the financial fit. And that was that they were of the right size with the right kind of business model, because we we're also a subscription type of company. And we thought that they were the right size for them to, for us to take further to grow, right? So there was a fit there in terms of size. And then thirdly, it's the most important fit, which most people don't really talk about, but it's really important right from the first interaction. And that's the cultural fit. We're very, very sensitive about our cultural and the way we want to grow. And Matt's company, Stackify, just had the right people, values, and mission that aligned very well and very closely with us. So to sum it up, I'd say, you know, it's the strategic fit, the, the financial fit, as well as the cultural fit that... Um, really makes a difference when it comes to acquisitions. So to simplify that for in a, in a lot of ways, for those of you that aren't familiar with acquisition economics is a lot of times companies buy another company knowing that they have some level of built-in usership. And I say that, and we've actually in the past taken a company like Paychex Payroll 
as a broad example of having six or 700,000 different clients. So when they snap on other products or offerings, they already have a relationship with 600,000 different businesses, which means that future acquisition costs can be minimal, if none, in some cases. And it can really make deals like this make a lot of sense. And then also the consolidation of certain expenses, efforts, and all of it mm -hmm. uh, begin to make sense on a business level. Now, as far as like after this deal is occurring, and now now you've got this this the the future is 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 open for so many different things. You guys went through a five and a half month process to get this done, some of which I got to experience along with you and congratulations on making it through. Um, and so what comes next? Like, where do you start beginning to take two things that operated separately and then combine them? I know some of that's already been thought out, but how do you actually go about executing it? I'll ask that question to Jazz first. Sure. So this is really just the beginning. We've just identified, right? These are the people we want to make magic together in the market with. The next step is really pulling together to make that strategic, cultural, financial, you know, those synergies, right, happen. So what we're doing is we've put together a really tight plan for how we bring, how we first run each of these different areas uh, together. So the product piece, right? We're going to continue with what the products need to do for a time being, but very, 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 very early on, we are developing this plan um, for how we're going to be rolling out the vision of the company, the future of the company over the next couple of years. So that architectural roadmap is being developed. Um, and I would say we're, you know, it will constantly be developed, but it's really fun to be able to have that broad view, um, that new shared vision and new identity, right, that we're putting together um, out there. The second major vector we're doing is driving change management. So in addition to that planning that we're doing around the shared vision, the new identity, we're also moving into how we change the different processes that we have as well and getting the people aligned to that process so that we really operate as one team versus two companies uh, separately. The faster we can do this, the faster we can expect synergies between the two of us to uh, happen. Mr. Watson? Yeah, so to, to add to uh, what Jasmine said, or Matt. Sherlock, I'm sorry, sorry, Sherlock, <laughs> Sherlock. Um, the sure Matthew sure Matthew yeah some of the some Welcome. of the other things that we're doing immediately is talking to the analysts um getting their feedback about what we're doing and um we did we did a whole road show of that I think how many analysts did we talked to in a week it felt like 10 it was a lot mm -hmm. and um we've got I think to do that again here very soon like post close to tell them about more and getting their feedback and um so far that was all very positive and, and it was great and yesterday we did a customer advisory board uh, meeting. So some of Netrio's top clients were all, all on a meeting and we told them all about the acquisition. And I think about half of them by the end of the meeting were all like, hey, we could use this now. We need mm -hmm. to follow up and talk about this. So, I mean, those are the synergies you talked about, Matt, earlier of like, you know, they already have customers that need what we do. And we've we've been exploring that over the last couple months. And um, Stackify has several customers that need Netrio's core product as well. So there's, we've already been um, identifying those as well. 
But the real work, I mean, she mentioned some of the integration work, but the real work from the product perspective will be the integration, you know, at a technical level. And we are just getting started in that. We have some plans, we have a roadmap and it all looks great and we're going to get it all done on time and I have no problems, I'm sure. <laughs> um, Jazz oh has told God. me, I mean, Sherlock has told me that we could hire like a thousand more software developers <laughs> to get it done. So we are ready to go. Right. <laughs> Which part of this should I begin to dismantle from a factual perspective, Matt? Hmm, man, where do we start? Now, I'll tell you what, we'll get back to that. As a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, back to the show. I'm here with Matt Watson and Jazz Young of Netrio, we're talking about the fact that Netrio has acquired Stackify. That's right, people. We never thought Watson would get a job, and he did, kind of, kind of, <laughs> you know, but yeah. So, and, and by the way, for those of you listening, we have some extra special versions of Startup Hustle TV coming out. We have kept track of how many years Watson aged during this process? It's somewhere between 60 and 2000. Not really sure. We'll let you be the judge. We'll put a poll up for that. And that leads to the next question. So what, what are some of the challenges that as founders and CEOs that you guys personally and professionally go through when it comes to a deal of this magnitude? Well, I'll start and I'll say, you know, one of the first challenges we had was um, we had three of our existing management team from Stackify left, right? So immediately a couple of them start looking at the deal. They're looking at who works at Netrio and they're starting to ask themselves, like, what is my role going to be? Am I going to have a job? What's going to happen? And so a couple of them left right away um, because they just didn't see where they would fit into the new combined companies, right? And so that that's part of the initial pain of of going through this is, just figuring out where where everybody lines up in the org chart and all that. Um, we brought hired all the people that were at Stackify um, came over. They all have a job at, at Netro. We had a, a couple of people that decided to move on to, you know, um, explore other opportunities, which we understand. Um, but that was one of the first things the, to sort through, and that was frustrating for me, right? Because I'm still trying to run a business while going through an acquisition, and I've got, you know, some of our management team has left and. And uh, Megan, God bless her soul, became director of all the things. That's her official title, Jazz. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I get that sense, yeah. yeah, she's, she, yeah. I thought that was she, your title, Matt. <laughs> I'm director of all the other things. Oh, I thought you were, um, you're the chief cook and bottle washer. I that forgot. too, yes. And um, cheerleader. So, I mean, that was, that was part of the initial struggle of just going through the process. Yeah, for us, I mean, we had to run the business as well, you know, and in a very, very intense environment. We started talking about this four or five months ago. That means we were, you know, pretty much at, you know, Q4, right, of a year that was really important for us. Um, then, you know, what we had to go through was, in addition to identifying that this is the right space, um, the company that we wanted, you know, Stackify is the right space and we wanted to acquire them, we also had to do significant diligence in terms of saying, first of all, should we go into the APM space? Because does that fit our exit strategy, right? So there's a whole bunch of strategic questions that we had to double down and and double uh, down and, and click on, right? To really kind of get um, our investors behind us in this process. So we had to do a lot of diligence from a market validation perspective. We had to 
meet, we had to speak with a lot of our customers. We had to run different sort of customer surveys. We talked to analysts about that behind the scenes to ensure that this was really the right um, step to take. We engaged, uh, you know, consultants to help us do third-party reviews in terms of where we stood and what we should be doing. We had an in-depth technology diligence going under the cover because while things looked really sexy from the outside, uh, we wanted to ensure that what was happening under from a Stackify perspective, right, met our needs as well. And so there was a deep dive from a technology perspective. Um, and of course, we did a lot of the financial audits um, as well to run through things. So the acquisition is not just, you know, about Matt and I thinking how fun it is to work with each other. There is a lot of uh, others around us to ensure that we have that level of accountability to our shareholders as well, and that they are on board with us, um, you know, with respect to the vision we have and the path forward that we, you know, have laid out for them in terms of the combined plan. So that was the key part of, of this. And, you know, to Matt's point, there was certainly, there is always uncertainty from a human level. Um, about where people will be placed in the organization. So we had to work on that combined org chart. We had to look at the different roles and responsibilities. Now, when we go through this process, we always have to think of the company first. We have to think of, you know, what the company needs as a combined entity. So on both sides, we need to think of, you know, where our strengths and weaknesses are and how we can augment it. I'd say that we're hiring more people than you know, um, than asking people to leave because there's so much that we want to do together as a company. So even though Matt talked about the three people who left, you know, actually, when we think of the combined vision, we're we're actually pulling together our resources to address some of the gaps that we have. We're bringing on more people to support that vision that we have because we'll now be a bigger company with a more potential in the marketplace. So it is exciting in terms of where we have to go. And it's really... Um, and I think that getting our people on board for that too was a process that we had to work through. So everything from the major investors to you know our internal company staff, those were little 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 kind of like decisions, discussions that we had to go through in the past four or five months. I just heard her promise we were hiring a bunch of people. See, I wasn't I wasn't wrong. <laughs> just not a thousand. <laughs> Well, let's start high. So when we come down from that, you feel like you did it under budget. It's a negotiation. So the, so the people thing, the people part of this process is real. And, you know, as I've watched this uh, occur and listening to your comments just now, and by the way, I couldn't, I sat back and I thought, how long ago was this for me? 18 years ago. I, ha I had started a new job on the very first day that a private equity company had taken six different companies and combined them into one. And I remember, and part of what we're talking about from a people perspective is when you combine and merge companies, regardless of what you want to call it, an acquisition, a merger, whatever, you sometimes end up with six people that all did the same job at different companies. And there's a level of redundancy there which is natural in these things. The problem is, is it sends shockwaves through the rest yeah. of the company because people inherently don't like change. They don't mm -hmm. like a lack of security and they start to wonder where their place fits, what they're gonna do, how they're gonna do it, who they're gonna do it with, what changes, then they're having to go home and they gotta answer that question for, to their husband, their wife, whomever. And these kind of things send ripples through organizations. So. 
Uh, how did both of you deal with, how did you frame and phrase that to everyone? Like, cause I think that that's probably good advice for people listening that if you're going to go through this, you want to keep like these deals occur and both sides want the, want people to stick around. So how, how do you, Matt, how did you, how did you phrase and frame that up to your staff? Yeah. So several times, you know, we had to re- reiterate to everybody, like, look, everybody has, you know, a job still. Everybody's going to work at Netrio. Obviously, there were probably five or six people that were way more affected than others, right? So, for example, our executive admin, they're like, she's immediately like, well, they have an executive admin that does everything that I do. Why do they need me? And and we're like, because now you guys have twice as much work to do. And we need both of you. And if either one of you get hit by a bus, we need the other one. We really need both of you. Right. So some of them, they're like, okay, okay, I get it. That's cool. And they're still maybe a little nervous, but they get it. And then some others, they're, they're, they're not, they're not really sure. And um, some of them were asking them all of a sudden to take totally different roles. You know, it's like, Hey, you were doing this kind of sales roles for us, but now you're going to be selling both these products. You're going to be working with a different team and a different manager and a different system and doing it all a different way. And for a lot of people, that's a huge opportunity, right? That's a huge growth opportunity for their career. Um, and then like, even myself, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing at Netrio. And they didn't even know jazz, jazz and, uh, and, uh, you know, the rest of the team were a couple times like, Matt, do you want to do this? Or do you want to do this? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me, what, what do you want me to do? And so I didn't even know exactly. And I imagine on the Netrio side, I'm sure there's, there was a couple people that are like, well, if they bring in their team, how's that going to affect me? I'm sure I would think jazz, right? Whether well, the same thing on your side. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think of it as bringing on really good people. And now we're trying to figure out where we find the fit, right, for all our people in this new world that we're in. So I think as startups, you know, and I would consider Netrio also as a, you know, growing, fast growing startup, people come in with the idea that you're going to be the chief everything plus bottle washer, right? But as you get bigger... (laughs) <laughs> as you get bigger, you start looking at the specific roles that maybe you can specify, you can kind of focus on so that we can drive more focus into each of these different goals that we have. And that part of it where, you know, we have to, folks have to start deciding if they're going to be a director of product management or director mm-hmm. of engineering because they start to pivot right into that specialty. That's yes. an emotional one. That's a you know career one. But the person itself is someone we want to keep on the team. So we'll find a way, right? be it in product management or in engineering that drives that forward. And if the person says, you know what, I actually love quality. I just never told you that, but I want to be direct of quality. And that's also a possibility because we're growing so rapidly that this is a time for us to learn as we go. And I've always believed in, you know, promoting people to the point of incapability, meaning that I believe in the, you know, in, in bringing people up to a point so they can challenge and design the role around them. So it's more about challenging folks to find their way in their career uh, than to say, this is where you're locked down to being. So that's the best part about companies in a growth cycle, like the way we are right now. And, you know, coming together, because I think we can learn more about each other's strengths and weaknesses, figure out things that we like to do and things that we don't like to do. Um, and then, you know, find others around us that either want to take on the things that we don't like to do and or hire folks that will help us because there's room to have those different roles and to grow accordingly. Yeah. And I think I was using Christina's example earlier, who is our like executive admin and she's amazing. And part of the struggle, right, is she does like 25 things. I'm not even exaggerating, like literally 25 things. 
and part of her struggle is like she doesn't want to give up those 25 things right mm -hmm. like she enjoys doing all these 25 things and so it's like okay christina you're going to have some specialization back to what you said earlier is exactly the point it's like okay christina you're going to focus more on hr or this or that or whatever and the person you work with is going to work more on accounting and you know you guys will balance it out and figure it out but i i think you know other examples of this, like I can think of three people at Netrio that I know have worked there forever that become kind of the linchpin of the company, right? Like everybody goes to them, they become the bottleneck. Mm -hmm. And eventually those people have to not be the bottleneck either as the company gets bigger, right? Mm -hmm. And and some of that becomes specialization of them or the team's growing beyond just them. And that's one of the hard parts about a startup is you get these key people that become the linchpins of everything. And to really evolve to the next step of the business, we have to figure out how to scale past that and not have one person who everybody depends on for certain things, including myself. I don't want everybody to depend on me either. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to take a vacation sometime, right? Like we all do. And for the business to scale, it, it takes humans and, and we got to you know, model it that way. I, I have a quick question for Jazz. Now that you are Watson's boss, does that mean that if I have issues with him, I should come to you and you'll straighten him out? <laughs> Anytime, anytime. Oh my God. He's going to come like with you that. with the dumbest things, by the We're way. We're going to be, Jazz and I are best friends here. Let's do like a virtual pinky swear on that one. There we go. We can, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. there. Yeah. I'll bring on Only, my Matthew I'll, voice. It's, it's, Matthew. it's between all three. You can call him whatever you want. I got your back now. We're teaming up. Nice. Kind of like, it's kind of like Voltron. She's even wearing black. She's ready to go. She's that she's the head of the giant robot, Matt. And oh you know, my God. you never know what, what, you know, it's, it's true, Matt. Someone's got to keep you under control. Okay. So, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff, Jazz. Thanks so much for joining us on Startup Hustle. This is an exciting uh, milestone and announcement and everything for the company because uh, this truly did happen within the context of Startup Hustle, which is we're getting close to our 600th episode. And on that subject, I'm not sure if those of you listening know, but we started a TV show about startups and the show's a startup. We're trying to figure that out. Matt, did I see a video of you in a bug costume today? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Did you show yeah, up to you, a meeting like you, that? Jazz, you missed that this morning. I know. I, I must have. My goodness. But, yeah. Um, so no. my my new my new boss makes me go to these meetings on Friday mornings, and so I went to the meeting like I was supposed to, and of course my boss didn't show up for the meeting. But I was wearing a bug costume. <laughs> he was. Matt has an entire <laughs> costume, like from head to that toe, all the way awesome. to like little feeler things, the arms, the legs. Like, what kind of is that a computer bug, Matt, or is it? Yes, just it's like, a computer bug. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, gonna, ask, yeah. Ask everybody. There was like. 40 people on the call. I was definitely in a bug costume. It's no that joke. is so cool. Yes, we have these, uh, you know, these coffee chit chat sessions where we're really, you know, always trying to, you know, get the teams together. So that's part of the cultural mix that we have in the company too. And it's so cool to, to see how the Secify team, you know, you know, it's just really coming together with us to, uh, to kind of celebrate with us to, you know, grow as, you know, grow this company together. Yep. I wanted to make the right first impression. I know, you know, and it's not you just- You always do, Matt, you always do. Yeah, the fact that you have that costume just in stock, like at some point it was like, should we rent this or do we buy it? And you're like, yeah, we're, we need this. We're gonna own this. Um, hopefully that's listed on the equipment manifest that, that so Natrio, now owns a, yes. Natrio owns a bug, co a bug costume now, congratulations. Now, key asset. one of the- 
one of the things that's really interesting here and, and a testament to the modern world of, of everything and how the world has shrank, you two have never been in the same room with each other, have you? No. No. Nope. Probably no, probably a good thing, but yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, especially, no. especially if he's a bug costume kind of guy, you know? Like he'll wear it. <laughs> I, I mean, my money's on the fact that he's wearing that thing when you guys meet in person, at least at some point. So, so I'm counting so, on it. <laughs> so, so nobody from Netrio or Stackify have ever been in the same room together. In fact, you're not even in the same part of the country as no. each other. So no, we didn't no. even mention that earlier. You're, you're out in the Bay Area and here we are in Kansas City. So yeah, and I know. Um, did, did that make things difficult, or was that did, did it just not even matter? So our team is global. Um, we have folks in the UK, we have in, folks in India, you know, and we actually are you know remote first, so we don't have offices at all. Ever since July, we gave up on our office physically, so we've taken that dependence on actually the physical need to to feel like you're in the same location to be one company. Um, and we've taken that out and, and gone onto a level where we feel like affinity, right, with different folks. And that may have actually helped us integrate the second by team a lot more yes. because we've not had this California versus Kansas yeah. divide, right? We've yeah. all just felt it's we're just a virtual connection away. Yeah. So we have, so now combined, we have employees in uh, Russia, Brazil, India, Philippines, United States, Mexico. And within the United States, we're like North and South, California, Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, Ohio, Illinois, and probably somewhere else. So yeah, we have Switzerland. We have you know like did, just did, everywhere. Did England, California finally divide? Did California finally divide into North and South <laughs> California, Matt? Is that did I miss something? Well, I think it might eventually be six states. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe. It, could be, could be a North California. They keep debating that. that. That just ro that rolls right off the tongue. So, man, our time flew by today. Once again, with me today, I've got the esteemed master Matt Watson. Matt Matt's a, been declared a master here in town. He actually won a master's award, and we're also here with Jazz Young, the CEO of Netrio. Netrio has acquired Stackify. There's links in the show notes where you can learn more about what Netrio does. As a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle has been brought to you by Full Scale, where we can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. You can find us on the gram, on the tube, on the Facebooks, the Twitters, all of it. Just search for Startup Hustle. And if you find something that's not us, let us know, because I'm curious who's using our name, which is trademarked, by the way. So we end my episodes, and I'm going to consider this one of my episodes, Matt, not one of our episodes, since I've, I've hosted you two. And I say my episodes, I'm not the only host of Startup Hustle. Tune in on Tuesdays, learn all about e-commerce and Amazon selling from Andrew Morgans, the CEO and founder of Marknology. Tune in on Thursdays to hear what Lauren Conaway the CEO and founder of Innovate Her has to say about all things going on in her world. And once again, if you haven't had enough Startup Hustle, go over to YouTube, type in Startup Hustle and see what we're doing. We're publishing a few episodes a month and answering questions for entrepreneurs and doing it in a real and raw way. Now it's time for the Founders Freestyle, <clears throat> where I would like each of you, and we can start with, actually, we'll give Jazz a few minutes to prep. Matt, what's the best advice that you can give a future startup founder about 
preparing and getting through an acquisition? It's a lot of work. I mean, it, it takes months before you uh, get an offer and then it takes months after you get an offer to complete a deal and you've got to know all of your stuff. I mean, look, luckily for us, we were pretty prepared. Like we knew our numbers and, you know, customer acquisition cost and churn rates and MRR and all these different, you know, business metrics. We, we were pretty good about all that stuff because as soon as you start talking to a potential acquirer, they're going to know all these things and about a hundred more. And, um, I think in some of the startup hustle TV stuff, I shared a list of like all the crazy stuff that, that we've had to do. But uh, I mean, it was hundreds of documents that we had to put together for the due diligence stuff about every aspect of the business. And it's an insane amount of work. I mean, I basically, I've, in, in one of my, uh, my dialogues I recorded for startup hustle TV, one of the key things is, you know, as a, as a business, as a busy entrepreneur, usually we only have two or three hours a day to actually do real work. The rest of the time we're like in meetings or dealing with employee problems, whatever, right? For the last five months, I've spent those two or three hours basically working on this acquisition. I haven't got crap done that I really needed, wanted to do for five months, right? I mean, that's the reality of it. Um, it's just a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work, so. Jazz? I think of it as, I think Matt sums it up really well, and I think of it as the three T's. The first T is timing. The strategic timing of the acquisition is super important in terms of the overall health size of the company and health of, of the business, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, the second thing is on uh, thoroughness, and that is asking the right questions, doing the appropriate diligence, being prepared for that diligence that's going to come. Do not be afraid to be open about the numbers that you have because companies that are acquiring others you know are doing it with the intention of fixing things so and looking and considering if that's an opportunity that we can fix so no company is ever perfect neither the acquirer nor the one that's being acquired and understanding where some of those gaps are becomes very critical for us to figure out how to move forward. So that level of thoroughness that, you know, Matt just articulated in terms of all the level of work he's done really helped build us build trust and communication, right. To understand that we can actually build a business together. Um, and it also built confidence in terms of understanding that they have the business under control. So if you know your numbers and if you don't know where your numbers are, that's also helpful for us to know you don't know them. You know, So that thoroughness is really critical. The third T is on team. The fact that we're working with someone like Matt and Megan and his team, um, we just really love them. And that's something that is almost, you know, could be thought of as the X factor, right, um, as well. Um, and that is actually probably sometimes the most critical factor. We've gone through this process a few times with other companies as well. And there've been times where we just said, we don't, we don't feel the connection from a team level. And so I think that is something that uh, companies need to pay attention to as well. You know, think about whether it's time for you to sell, time for you to buy. Think about, you know, how thorough you are with your business right now in terms of how detail-oriented you are um, and in running it and how truthful or how, how much you can trust each other with this information, how much you trust yourself, right, in terms of running the business. So that's, and then the team, ensure that you are honest about, you know, how you partner with the other team. 
and where you see as a business owner, your role is going to be like, I don't want, and I told Matt this, I don't want Matt to come on here and start retiring in Hawaii. I really want him to um, find ways in which he's completely engaged, right, in running the company. So I was very keen to find a meaningful role for him so that he can really dive in. And I'm proud to say he'll be joining us as the chief technology officer because he'll be able to really help us, you know, drive that vision. So that's to me some of the critical elements when i think of you know acquiring companies and bringing them together so i'll, I'll end this episode with my freestyle from my observations of this process occurring and that well said jazz well stated first off watson retiring to hawaii i would benefit from so i'm not gonna support him not doing that because then i have a place to stay if i go to hawaii so i'm, I'm okay True. with that yeah. Well, yeah. the difference so, here is that whether it's a tiki heart, hut, right, or whether it's the whole like half island, you know, I'm aiming we're for the fine. half e island. Either way, either way. She said I could way. work remotely too, so I think I, I could just do both. Need, I'll sleep on the sandy beach. I'm not above that. In fact, that sounds pretty good. But overall, from my observation of these processes, much like getting a, fun a company funded, uh, acquisitions take longer than anyone ever, ever thinks they would. And I think that not only just from knowing multiple people and watching the process occur, be prepared to have your emotions run through the entire gamut, to have your patients tested, to have your numbers and everything tested, be prepared to have all of it tested. And which re once again, requires patience, requires understanding, requires getting to know people and just be ex be ready for that process because the more and the closer you get to the finish line, the more anxiety that could potentially build up. It's a pressure pack situation. But remember, if you have the right alignment, everyone wants the same things and is looking to build something bigger than they are, which is a bigger company, a better company. And overall, I know you guys are going to do great. I think this is a perfect alignment. Jazz, thank you so much for joining us today. And Matt, congratulations again, man. Can you leave some for the rest of us, dude? Like, are you just going to start, sell, start, sell? Like, I mean, some of us, I mean, I, I say just leave a little for the rest of us, Watson. No, I got a job now, so I'm done. Mm. Well, anyway, I'm going to let you go so you can get back to work. I don't want to get you <laughs> in trouble with your boss. I'll see you two next time. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.